0: The show goes on. This is the official show on the Fish on First podcast channel with me, Eli Sussman, the founder of Fish on First, bringing you guys complete Miami Marlins coverage all year round. Happy New Year if I haven't spoken to you already. First recording of 2024, putting it out there. Not on the usual schedule. I've been busy for the past week, week and a half, moving to a new place. New background that is soon going to fill up with some customized artwork behind me. I still need to get the lighting figured out in front of me. Still a lot to learn. Wanted to see how the acoustics sound in this new setup. It's different from my previous studio and uh, all of that. And I felt it was a good time to just throw out an episode one on a spontaneous topic, kind of an unplanned discussion here, but one that I felt was relatively important to bring to Marlins fans, ones that I think even my own staff kind of underrate and sleep on, international free agency, specifically amateur players, will be signing with the Marlins later this month. Um, If you don't already, subscribe to Fish on First wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And on YouTube, right around the 2,000 subscriber milestone on YouTube. So liking, commenting, rating, and reviewing wherever applicable on those platforms, all that really helps us a whole lot. And hey, Keep up with our stuff on fishonfirst.com. Become a super subscriber as well for a small monthly payment. All those super subscribers get access to our super subscriber-only Discord channel, but the Discord channel as well on Marlins Discord. That is open to everybody, so the link to that is in the description of the episode as well for anybody that wants to talk Marlins around the clock, not just with me, but hundreds of other Marlins fans that are in Marlins Discord server. International free agency. If you're watching on YouTube, you see this group photo of Marlins players. That's from January 15th, 2023. And there's going to be a recreation of that on January 15th, 2024, when the new international signing period opens. I I feel like this gets overlooked. The importance of international free agency. You've probably noticed just as being a casual baseball fan, that international players are more represented than ever before among the major league baseball player population. And all those guys get to that point somehow, eventually, or I should say, originally, they come into pro ball by being free agent signings at the very start of their careers, before anybody really knows what they're going to be. And the process is perhaps a little different than you thought it was coming into this. So I hope to educate you guys a little bit on on how all this works and how it impacts the Marlins. Compare it's not on the same scale of importance and impact as the amateur draft and for U S born players, as well as those in Canada and Puerto Rico, but all players outside of that, that don't go through um, one of those countries for the most part, they enter pro ball as international amateurs. Just to put some numbers behind it. I have picks of the Marlins current 40 man roster right here. And the ones on here who have a, for those watching those that have a just the year on its own next to their name under original signing information, those are draft picks. And for the most part, those that have a month, and a year next to their original signing information. Those are amateur signings internationally. 40-man roster. Out of all those players, you have Luis Rise, Jazz Chisholm Jr., Brian De La Cruz, Jesus Sanchez, Avasiel Garcia, Christian Bentoncourt, Vidal Brujan, Yuri Perez, Edward Cabrera. Just to get to the rest of the roster here. George Soriano, we have the artist formerly known as Sixto Sanchez. We have the former Cy Young Award winner, Sandy Alcantara, Victor Mesa Jr., Roderick Munoz, Huascar Brazabon, and actually Caleb Ords on the very bottom. He was an undrafted American free agent, so he is actually not an international guy. But went through the 40 names there, 15 of the players on the current Marlins 40-man roster got their start as international amateur free agents. That is 38% of this roster. It includes, when healthy, the very best pitcher on this team. It includes the best hitter on this team. It includes perhaps the most, quote, dynamic player on this team and Jazz Chisholm Jr. All these guys from different countries. The biggest contributor to this international free agent population is the Dominican Republic, You also get quite a few from Venezuela and Cuba. And then outside of that pretty wide range of possible countries that also contribute to that, including Panama, including Curacao, um, more in South America, in the Caribbean. You also have occasionally some Asian players that come over through internet as amateurs, although that is not quite as common, but these guys end up making a pretty sizable chunk of an eventual major league roster. The Marlins are not all that unusual in this aspect. There are teams that are even more internationally grown than the Marlins are themselves. But if you also, when going through those names, you may see a pattern that almost all those were traded from other teams that originally signed those guys internationally. The one standout who was drafted and developed entirely by the Marlins internationally, Yuri Perez. So he has been, in recent years, he's been far and away the most clear example of a success story of the Marlins turning $200,000, if I remember correctly, of his signing bonus into somebody that we think now has the ability to be a perennial all-star starting pitcher. And that the kind of value that you get for that minimal investment is absolutely extraordinary. The Marlins, the first step that they took to really ramp up their international investment is when they made their new Dominican Academy. That was a project that has been the work since almost as soon as new ownership took over. It finally had its grand opening in 2022. The international free agent process has changed quite a bit through the years. The most recent one came um, less than a decade ago where they have now pretty strict bonus pools, which means that Most of these teams are on very level playing field here in terms of who they can bring in. That's a part of the amateur draft process as well that we probably don't talk about enough how there are bonus pools assigned to each team, but there's more of a variance there where the teams picking at, at the top might have two and a half or three times as much money available to them to make those signings. So it's not only about the best player available, it's about those that you can actually afford with your bonus pool money. And in international free agency, the gap, even these signing bo- bonus amounts are even narrower. So the ones that actually have the most money to spend are the ones that are from the smallest markets and have the lowest revenue. It's a combination of those two things. Largest bonus pools in this particular signing period going to the Diamondbacks, Guardians, Orioles, Pirates, Rockies, and Royals, each of them getting a little over $7 million. And on the low end are teams that had the biggest spending in this past year, The Padres, the Phillies, the Rangers, the Yankees, their bonus pool is $4.65 million. And the Marlins are a part of that group that has the second largest bonus pool. By virtue of being a low-spending team in one of the smaller baseball markets, the Marlins are always either going to have the largest signing pool or the second largest signing pool. The Marlins in this signing period will have $6.52 million in their pool to use. So that is more than the majority of teams, but overall it's a pretty... Narrow gap. So, and that is a difference from what it used to be. You don't have to go back that far for the cases of Johan Moncada, Luis Roberts, Yasiel Puig was one of those guys as well, who came over and got tens of millions of dollars guaranteed to them in a bidding war. One that there is still somewhat of a bidding war, but it's scaled down so much. A team's entire bonus pool is just between four and a half and $7 million. That's for the entire pool too. Um, You can creep beyond that for additional signings that are $10,000 or less, but the vast majority of your talent has to fit under that amount of money and to bring them in. In recent years, what the Marlins have done is they've gone for quantity over quality. It's not a sexy sounding idea, but their thinking was because these players are so young to be clear, um, players become eligible to sign when they turn 16 years old. And the vast majority of the ones are those that just turned 16 and have already shown quite a bit of promise and projectability. Those guys are a couple years younger than even the youngest MLB draft picks that are available. There's so much growing and changing that these players have that there's just a lot of variance with these players. And that's one of the understandable reasons why the international signing period gets a fraction of the amount of attention as amateur players in the US because they we, we just can't trust uh, the information that we have as solidly at the time. These players are so young. They have so far to go. They also are coming from backgrounds where they've had such limited tape that they can show us and limited stats that we can refer to as well. There's, they're not really playing organized official games when they're growing up and outside of formal schooling and scholastic activity, there are some that participate in international events and showcases along the ways, but the vast majority of their work is happening kind of behind the scenes happening in the case of the Dominican Republic in particular, happening in these closed academies where these guys, we just don't see very little information gets out at all other than what the teams need to know in order for the teams to make competitive offers to sign them. So, a reason why I wanted to discuss this today is because we had breaking news earlier on Wednesday about the identity of the top prospect that the Marlins are going to be signing in this upcoming international free agency period. This is Luis Cova. He's an outfielder from Venezuela, and he is going to be the biggest signing of this Marlins international signing period. The p- signing period that, to reiterate, has not opened yet. It doesn't open until January 15th. This is another key difference between international business and domestic business. What makes the MLB draft kind of marketable and exciting is the unpredictability and the suspense, because you don't know, and the players don't know exactly where they're going until their phone rings and their name is called. And from there, you find out. In this case, what happens is January 15th, that is the start of the signing period, and these players will already be signing on the 15th. Now, they're not going to get a phone call on the morning of that same day and then all of a sudden drive over, sign their contract, boom, boom, all at once. That's not how it works. We're not naive enough to think it's quite that simple. Instead, this stuff is negotiated well ahead of time, months ahead of time, usually years ahead of time these deals are reached. As young as these players are, Kova, 16 years old, turning 17 shortly after the signing period opens. Yeah, The Marlins had a deal with him at least a year and a half prior to the signing period opening. So they knew what year he was going to be eligible to sign, and they struck a deal with him far in advance. There are photos of him wearing a Marlins hat as far back as 2022. Remember, this is New Year. We're in 2024 now. And this deal has been in place for quite a while with an agreement about what they're going to pay him to sign him. So as of this moment we don't know exactly what Kova's bonus is going to be. We do know that he was the 27th ranked bonus player on the Baseball America big board that is run by Ben Badler. He does an excellent job with that every year. He's going to receive the 27th highest signing bonus among players that have commitments with teams during the 2024 signing period. And he is the highest ranked Marlins player on there. He's the only Marlins player that shows up among the top 50 bonuses. So I will uh, bring up the, we have an article on fish on first about this, that I put up in the aftermath of the news that will, you know, kind of reiterate some of the stuff that I'm going to be talking about right here for those who haven't seen it. But with Kova, a righty hitting outfielder who also throws right handed uh, Among the best pure athletes in this class, according to MLB Pipeline, and one of the most exciting prospects in Venezuela, that's according to Baseball America. Um, Somebody renowned for his good instincts, his maturity, and his makeup, his uh, hard-hit percentage, or at least his ability to hit the ball hard occasionally. There are some questions, at least from Pipeline's perspective, about whether his um, mechanics at the plate are going to come back to bite him later on in his developments that he has an un- unorthodox hand load over there that he'll have to work out over time. Overall pipeline gives him scouting grades of 50 or higher across the board. So average tools, if not above average across the board, they tend to be a little bit generous with their valuations. In my opinion, they've him graded as a 55 overall prospect, um, which to put it in perspective, that would make him about as good as any prospect in the organization Right now, Noble Meyer, in my opinion, is like a 55. And I think it might be a little bit premature to put Kova in that category, considering how far away he is from the big leagues. But to get back to the dollars and cents part of it, 27th ranked in terms of his signing bonus amount, and Ben Battler did the same signing board for the 2023 class. The 27th ranked player in that class ended up receiving $1.4 million. Safe to assume that COVID will land right in near that range. In fact, the signing bone signing pools are a little bit larger this time around than they were last year. So I would say I would assume that's gonna be slightly higher than 1.4 million. And that's notable just because, as I mentioned, the last couple classes, the Marlins have gone for quantity over quality with their prospects. They did not want to invest too much in any one player, kind of showing some skepticism about kind of acknowledging the crapshoot elements of this, with these players, some of them not yet completed puberty. If you're reaching agreements with these players when they're 15 years old or 14 years old or 13 years old, which is the reality here for all teams, not just the Marlins, then they can change so much over time and you don't want to get burned by that. Even if it means, you know, not getting great PR on the opening of the signing period. Uh, ultimately, if you're producing good players, and producing enough of them to make up for your investment, you know, that's what's going to matter here. The last couple of signing period, the Marlins have signed more players than any other major league team over the last couple of signing periods in 2022 and 2023. We'll find out on the 15th exactly how large this class is, but this is somewhat of a departure from those previous couple of classes where they're willing in this one player's case, Luis Cova's case, willing to make this bigger investment in him. And that's going to come at the, expense of having as large a class as they've recently had. Um, they're a team that has two affiliates in the Dominican Summer League. With few exceptions, these players that are signed in January, they start their professional careers in June in the Dominican Summer League, usually spending that entire season in the DSL. And if things go well, then they come on over to the States uh, the following year. So that is the expectation the Expectation with Kova. I think conservatively, he's going to be a top 10 prospect in this organization right away. So that's what we're talking about here. Just to put that in perspective, all these trade rumblings that we have with the Marlins, what could they get if they moved one of their starting pitchers? Like you're looking for a combination of major league ready players, but also top prospects. And this is a player that is certainly this offseason; He'd be the best prospect that they've acquired. And he'd make a pretty, both him and the rest of the players that they sign on the 15th. That is going to markedly add to the depth that you have in this organization even if these players are so far away if they just make a little progress 1.4, 1.5 million, whatever it ends up being um, that's that's chump change if he proves to make it to the majors and stick in any sort of substantial role during his team controlled years in there. So the value can be so immense when you get this stuff right Um, but to put it into perspective the top signings In the other classes, let's go back to since the Marlins' ownership change. They had Fernando Saginal. He was leading international operations starting in late 2018, right when the the Marlins signed the Victor Mesa brothers, Victor, Victor Mesa, and Victor Mesa Jr. Victor Victor Mesa was the biggest signing of that group for $5.25 million. If you go to 2019, the top signing there was Jose Salas, a little bit under $3 million for him. Out of Venezuela, due to COVID, there was no formal signing period in 2020. It pushed over to 2021, where they signed Yidi Cape for $3.5 million. Then in 2022, it was, off the top of my head, Yafri Solano, an infielder who has been in the DSL the last couple of years. But when he's been healthy, he's been pretty productive. And then the most recent signing period in 2023, it was two-way player Gennaro Miller out of the Bahamas both Solano and Miller, they got less than a million dollars each, so even though somebody had to be the highest, the top signing of that group, neither of those were conventional, you know, top signings, first round caliber talent, because that whole group was kind of leveled off. It was a lot of guys in a similar tier of uh, capability to go in here. With Kova, there is that, seemingly, there's going to be that bigger separation between him and everybody else. We know he is the 27th highest paid guy in this signing class. And the Marlins don't have anybody else in the top 50. So there's going to be a substantial gap there. They're putting a lot of eggs in his his basket. His signing bonus based on these estimates is going to account for more than 20% of the team's entire pool in this one guy. So even if he's one player, um, we only know a couple paragraphs worth of information about him, but he's, he's a pretty substantial addition right here that during an offseason where the Marlins have not given the team much of anything in terms of substantial major league additions, this is one of the more important developments that uh, we've seen so far. Now, the question is who's going to be the Marlins next international operations leader. I mentioned Fernando Seganal. He only lasted a few years, three years and change in that position. Then it was Adrian Lorenzo who had been in the organization. They promoted him to senior director of international operations just two years ago, and Lorenzo is now gone, having exited the baseball world entirely to focus on being a full-time artist, believe it or not. So I was really in- intrigued by what Lorenzo was going to do. Ultimately, he had a higher calling uh, that he is pursuing now. And that position has been vacant for a couple months now. So it's funny that the signing period is coming up in a week and a half, and the Marlins don't actually have a clear international operations leader. Maybe it's somebody from within that is handling that role in the meantime, such as Azo Campo, the assistant general manager, who's had some experience in the international side. Maybe it is uh, Roman Akumarez, who has been the top scout, international scout for the Marlins the last couple of years. It's possible that he is handling some more administrative duties uh, during this period of time. But ultimately, as I laid out, It doesn't matter like you don't need them for this particular moment just because this stuff is this stuff is negotiated well ahead of time. So all the players that are going to be signing in January with the Marlins have had agreements in place for months, if not years ahead of time, and those agreements were reached when Lorenzo was in charge. So this is weirdly the kind of kind of time of year where you can sort of. E, what's the word I'm looking for, where you could get away with not doing much. Like This is a down period, a slow period in this international cycle because all the hard work has already been done. Now it's just setting up the actual signing party, for lack of a better word, where they get a lot of these players. They hosted at the Dominican Academy. Most of the players from the DR, from the ones that can make it from other countries come in as well. And they all try on their... Marlins uniforms together and they, they celebrate all that occasionally bring some family and friends to the event with them. And it's an important day. Now to get back to the Marlins results, aside from Yuri, they just don't have a whole lot to show from their signings over this last five, six years. They've Victor Mesa jr has gradually improved his stock. He earned his way onto the 40 man roster. Maybe we see him in the big leagues at some point in 2024. The expectations aren't quite as high it doesn't seem to be a franchise changing player here. You just look around baseball and there are other teams that are able to find franchise chasing players through international free agency. Like I could go on and on and on Ronald Acuna jr. Of course, being probably the most prominent example. You can just think of any other Dominican player out there, any Venezuelan player out there, Miguel Cabrera, of course, once upon a time, he was an international signing, went on to a hall of fame, career that he had but yeah all across baseball let me just pull up the list so i'm speaking technically shohei otani was an international amateur free agent his circumstance is very unusual where he could have waited a little bit longer and got more money but instead he came over at the age of 23 when he was still handled by these same rules and restrictions um other than that julio rodriguez is probably the next biggest name to point out there international amateur free agency juan soto International signing. Jose Ramirez of the Guardians. I already mentioned Luis Robert. You can get Hall of Fame caliber players through this international process. And for a Marlins team that is just not going to be competitive, as they've shown this offseason, and I would imagine for the foreseeable future, they're just not going to be competitive with you know top of the market major league veteran free agents ones that have all this major league experience and command hundreds of millions of dollars in guarantees. It, it does not seem like there is comfort from Bruce Sherman's perspective to invest in that. So how are you going to create your star players? You know, some of that comes with better amateur drafting earlier this offseason, They hired a new elite amateur scouting director in Frankie Pillieri. One of my recent podcast episodes was on that. That could be a step in the right direction. We know that they are in the works of just Retuning a lot of their player development philosophies. So wait to see exactly how that comes together and how they can get more out of these players. Once they are already in their system and in pro ball, another very important element of that is going to be international free agency, trying to find these young players, the youngest possible players that you can evaluate and getting those correct. This is the one aspect where me personally, this is I've such a hard time imagining how it is, that these scouts pull it off, how they pick a player who might not even be all the way through puberty yet, and try to project exactly where he's going to be ten years from now, when he's in his theoretical major league prime. That's extremely impressive, but there are teams that do it effectively, and those are the ones that, in a lot of cases, they have the edge over other teams that are missing out on that aspect of it, or have to go outside the organization to trade for those players once those players. Stocks and values have climbed substantially through major league performance or even upper minors performance. Marlins have to get better An international free agency. They can't go one all-star every half decade from that process. They need to be even more successful. But it's really more so than like aiming for stars. It's about having just quality major league depth that you can bring up through your system like that. Just have a higher success rate to bring those guys all the way up and having them fill some sort of substantial role on your major league roster for a few years, um, the value of that is pretty substantial as well. So Where they're kind of in a limbo for the moment in terms of who is going to reshape their, the next step of what they do internationally as well. Um, but we have this pretty big occasion coming up on the fifteenth. Excited to learn who else, aside from Kova, is part of that international free agent class. We'll of course have it covered on fishonfirst.com and I'm sure we'll update our prospect rankings accordingly as the season gets closer, squeezing these guys in knowing at least one of them is going to fit pretty comfortably inside our top 30 list. So a relatively quick podcast episode by my standards here on the official show. I'm sure my presentation will look even flashier the uh, next time around. And we're, we're going to be back up to full speed in terms of our Marlins coverage now that I'm all settled in for the new place. I appreciate everybody's support. I remind you to um, subscribe and like, rate, and review wherever applicable for our Marlins stuff. And just look forward to what else we have coming up uh, down the pike as I think the slowest part of the off season is gratefully behind us and uh yeah there's still a lot to do a couple different directions the marlins themselves could go and whether we agree with it or not we're going to provide you with uh, as comprehensive and insightful entertaining coverage of the team as we always do moving forward so i've been eli sussman thanks as always for your support and go fish